All right, special emergency live BP show. It's Rob Bradford. John Lester has retired, telling Jesse Rogers of ESPN.com that he has had enough. He's not ready to go through the the grind of another season, getting ready for another season. And when we think of John Lester around these parts anyway, and maybe not necessarily in Chicago, but around these parts, you think absolute nails. The guy, he should have been a Red Sox for the entire career, for life. I don't think there's any question about it. You can go back in terms of memory. You can go back all the way back to 2007, the World Series against the Rockies. I look at 2013, and I don't know if I've ever seen a pitcher who just dominated like he did. In that World Series, for instance, 15 in the third innings, one run, 15 strikeouts, one walk. And I know that we've had other examples of guys just dominating and carrying teams in the postseason. Back it comes to mind, Pedro. But, you know, I, I don't remember any the feeling that that had of having that guy on the mound was was a feeling I don't think that many people have experienced in terms of just complete domination. You know that the stage wasn't too big for him. You know that he was going to get it done. You know that that was the, absolutely the guy you wanted on the mound. And then, he, you, obviously, the Cubs get to experience that a few years later when they won the World Series and John Lester dominated there as well. You aren't going to find too many postseason pitchers. You know, again, you want to go into the post, the annals of postseason history. Schilling jumps to mind. Uh, you look at his numbers. But it, when we're going to rehash all the numbers and Hall of Fame candidacy and where John Lester stands and all of that, that's fine. I mean, we'll, we'll digest those numbers much like we're doing right now with Schilling in the Hall of Fame. But when, it, when you think of John Lester when he retired, it's more about, like, the – the, the things that jumped to mind, and the things for me that jumped to mind covering him, and basically his whole career throughout Boston, you know, I think that obviously the work ethic, obviously, you know, he was the guy you wanted at the top of the rotation, and, and also he just had Boston figured out. I mean, he told me at one point, he said, uh, when he came back with the Cubs, he, looking back at this time in Boston, he, he's realized that you just have to be honest. You just have to – you can't hide things. You can't care about what you say. And and I think that so many guys now don't heed that advice, but he certainly figured that out. And, and it, it served him well. It served him well in Boston. It served him well in Chicago. And, you know, and obviously you know, he was a guy that you know, both fan bases I think will look back at and say – that was probably one of the most iconic figures around for for the for the Cubs. It's because he was the main reason, one or one of the chief reasons they finally won a World Series. For the Red Sox, he represented everything that you want really in an ace. And and I don't know how many times we've gone down this road. Every time the postseason comes up, who's going to be the ace? Who's going to be the guy who carries you through the postseason? And Lester is sort of the standard bearer with that. And he should have been a Red Sox player in his entire career. I don't think there's any question about it. Now, we've gone down this road. We've talked about this plenty of times, but it, it deserves another conversation about what happened. You know, What would have happened if he stayed? You go back to 2014. Remember, in spring training, they offer him the four-year, $70 million deal. Like, they're trying to lowball him. They're trying to basically say, hey, you know what? Come down to our level. We're offering him a cheap, cheap rate, and then we'll, uh, we'll go slightly up from there. But that's the way the Red Sox were negotiating at that time. They did it with other players. They did it with Ellsbury. They did it with some players who actually, like, took the, took the lower deal. So they were kept doing that. They did it with Lester, but it was so low. Four years at $70 million for that 
level of pitcher heading into that year, that free agent class. Obviously, Lester wasn't going to take that. And for what happened after that was because it was so low, you know, everyone, everyone just basically shut down. The Lester camp wasn't going to respond to it because they knew that they would have to come in higher than, than really anticipated. And they were afraid, I think, that they were going to get, that was going to get leaked and there was going to be a back and forth. And then the perception was, oh, Lester is going to be greedy and so forth and so on. Lester came on WEI the next offseason and said, listen, they just come out and offer me five or six years. Six years, I think it was 120, which was really the going rate. I would have taken. I would have been a member of the Red Sox. But they didn't. They didn't talk all the way up until the trade deadline. And when you got to the week out from the trade deadline in 2014, you knew he was gone. And so he gets traded to Oakland. And that's where it turned in terms of him coming back. And it's so weird to think that Oakland was such a decisive, such a deciding point when it came to how Lester viewed the world. Because Lester was a guy, he's, he's a guy who's such a creature of habit. He loved it in Boston. He knew how to get to work. He knew the teammates. He knew the organization. He knew how to do everything. And there's a lot of guys like that, right? There's a lot of guys who just are comfortable in their own setting. They're comfortable playing for that organization. And they don't need anything else. Well, once he got to Oakland, he looked at it and said, well, the world isn't flat. You know, there's other places. Boston isn't the be-all, end-all. He got a little taste of another organization, albeit Oakland, but he got another taste of another organization. So when he went into free agency, really, you, you, he had, you had a guy who was more open to going to other places. And if he doesn't go to Oakland, I guarantee you he's not as open to going to other places. So, obviously, Theo's in Chicago. He values him just as much as anyone. They want to make a mark. They're taking that huge step toward a World Series, or at least toward the postseason. And Les is the perfect guy. And so, they, they make a run at him. The Red Sox make a run at him. He goes to John Henry's house and, and, and all of that. And they're like, oh, you know, we're going to do whatever he take. And I honestly think that probably John Henry and the Red Sox thought that they were going to figure this out. They were going to find a way to get John Lester back to Boston. But I think they, they overplayed their hand. They did. I mean, Theo came in with a very aggressive offer in that offseason. I remember him being up in uh, Theo and Jed being up in the suite with the Levinsons, uh, who are were Lester's agents, all night, all night session leading into the night before that he signed. I mean, all night they had him locked. They had them locked in and back and forth until they got this deal done. And the the Red Sox, a team that really you look at it throughout the course of Theo's era, certainly, and for the most part John Henry's era, where they were a team. If they wanted somebody, they were going to get him. They were going to go do whatever they needed to do. But they didn't in this case. The, the Cubs played it perfectly. Lester went to the Cubs, again, because he had no problem going to another organization. Obviously, it was difficult because Lester had so many friends in the Red Sox organization. But he goes to the Cubs. Cubs le- leaves his mark. And, you know, you look at it. You look at how that unfolded and what John Lester did for the Cubs. It's really incredible. It's, I don't think that at, when people talk about these six-year contracts and uh, making such a huge commitment to pitchers. Well, sometimes you just have to understand like what you're getting and the value of what you're getting and what that guy can do. And it's more than just the analytics. And it's more than just the the past results, or now, in this case, really the results of what you think the guy's going to do. It's the guy who's going to be able to sit, take center stage like John Lester did, to have everyone in the rotation follow behind him, 
and then go from there. And so what happened with the Red Sox is that they couldn't find that guy. Right, so what? When you look at the Red Sox, and I get it, like they would go out and they win a World Series in 2018. After 2013, they corrected themselves. But think about what they had to do in order to get to that point. Really, you miss on Lester. You you just bought, as they said, they botched the Lester negotiations. All right, so you go throughout that year, you pay the price, the five aces and everything else. Now you have to go back to what you did before, which is we're just going to outbid everybody for a player that we want, and that was David Price. They dramatically outbid everybody. They said, you know, we can't miss on this one, so we need this guy. We need the guy at the top of the rotation. So they go out and get the price. All right, that was part of the puzzle. But it wasn't enough for part of the puzzle because they still needed somebody they felt at the top of the rotation along with Price. And so they have to go out and they have to allocate two of the top prospects in baseball to get Chris Sale. So because you don't get Lester, you're chasing that ace. And ultimately, they found him. They found him and they got their World Series. But at a price, at a price, I mean, this was one of the biggest misses when it comes to the Red Sox and how they did business, certainly in the John Henry era. And you look back at the effect that that negotiation had with the Red Sox and John Henry sitting at the outside JetBlue Park, I think it was like leading into the 2019 season. So the Red Sox had won the World Series they in 2018. Chris Sale was going to win a contract year. And basically John Henry said, we're not, we botched the Lester thing and we're not going to make that same mistake again. So what do they do? They're reactionary once again and they lock... Chris Sale up to a contract, a contract extension at the before the season starts, even though he was coming off an injury, even though you had so many unknowns. And obviously that didn't work out uh, for a while because he was injured and they didn't wait. And later, Chris Sale told me in London, he said, and this is in June, he said, I was going to sign with the Red Sox no matter what. They totally didn't read the room. So the Red Sox were chasing their tail after the John Lester situation, instead of just doing what would have been right at the time, which was going out, offering the fair deal in spring training in 2014, locking him up, and then going from there. And I know that this has been revisited a ton, but as we look back at John Lester and the impact that he had on the Red Sox organization and really on baseball, this is a huge, huge piece of the puzzle. And Lester wanted to, we did an interview, um, when was it, last year? It was 2000, yeah, 2000, after the 2020 season, last year. And Lester told me, he said, said that he really sort of was intrigued by coming back to Boston, you know, kind of finishing off where it all started. But they showed no interest in him, and and I get it. You know, like they're trying to build something. This isn't this isn't apples to apples when it comes to the Red Sox previous negotiations with Lester. He was coming off a bad year with the Cubs, and maybe you know he's 36 years old. Maybe they didn't feel like he was he was going to turn things around. But but it would have been nice to see him one last time with the Red Sox. It would have been. I mean, I think everybody would agree. He went on to Washington. He didn't have a great year there. He gets traded to the Cardinals. He had a good run there. It helped them really toward the, that stretch drive. So you look back at Lester finishing the Cy Young, top 10 Cy Young voting four times. So he finished fourth in uh, 2010. He finished fourth in 2014. 2014, by the way, the year that he was traded. Uh, he finished his second in 2016 and ninth in 2018. So all in all, 13-year career, 200 wins for him, 200 regular season wins, 
3.66 ERA, regular season ERA. We say regular season because you've got to go with the postseason. We're 2.51 ERA in 26 appearances, 22 starts. The guy was just absolute nails. I mean, just absolute nails. He was the guy that you want on the mound at the biggest times in the biggest moments for really like when he was rolling with the Cubs, with the Red Sox, whoever. Like that was the guy. That's how he should be remembered. His playing career should be remembered. John Lester, he was a good one. He was a good one to deal with. From my perspective, he was a good one to deal with from the Red Sox fans' perspective. Hope he has a great, great retirement. He deserves it.